You're listening to Under a Pile of Books, and in this episode, I sit down with Levi Jacobs, author of The Resonance Saga, the first book of which, Beggar's Rebellion, is now a Spiffbo finalist. It was great talking with Levi about a whole host of different topics and questions. I enjoyed it a whole lot, and I think you're going to love it. Hey, everyone. I am here with Levi Jacobs, the author of The Resonance Saga, which begins with Beggar's Rebellion, and he is now also a Spiffbo finalist. So welcome, Levi. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, That's the first time I've heard anyone say Spiffbo out loud. <laughs> in, my, in my head, it's always been SPFBO, and it's, it's yep. quite a mouthful, so I like the Spiffbo. You know, that's that's I roll with the easiest thing to say. Uh, so I'm I'm pretty sure that uh, Kitty G, though, over on her YouTube channel, every time she says it, I think she she says SPFBO and I, I, I can't do it. I, I would get all tongue tied with it or whatever. So it is spiffbo as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's better than saying self-published fantasy blog off 2019 oh, yeah. Mark Lawrence, like everything that you can. That's right. Yeah, no, that's that's maybe I should name drop Mark Lawrence, though. Mark Lawrence is awesome, everyone. He runs this thing, uh, organizes it. So uh, and writes great books. He does. Oh, my goodness. And uh, I was actually just talking on a previous episode of the podcast about his uh, book, Dispel Illusion, which is awesome. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I've downloaded that one. I haven't started reading it yet, but I'm excited. Totally start reading it because it is really good. So but we're not here to talk about Mark. We're actually (laughs) here to talk about you, Levi. So yeah. um, so first question for you, uh, yeah. what inspired you to become an author? Hmm. I feel like uh, genetics. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I think a lot of a lot of authors are like have we've created the story going back to like the times when we were a five year old around a campfire and like spinning wild fictions. And that was definitely me. I've always been a storyteller and um I think it got uh, it got changed maybe because I had such a like difficult teen years that uh, it sort of like morphed into music and I was writing a lot of music for about 15 years and then um, writing kept coming back up and coming back up and every time that I'd be at a crossroads in my life and be thinking what do I really want to do like writing was one of the things and I would never choose it and then uh, the choice came where I chose grad school instead of writing Um, and about a month into my program I was like oh my god all I want to do is write fiction (laughs) what am I doing in a graduate program and that and I was like okay just sit with that for a while and it stuck with me so uh when I got my master's I I uh declined going on to a PhD and I uh got a got a place to live in my friend's laundry room and started writing books so (laughs) so yeah I finally took it seriously and it's been uh seven years since then I'm still doing it so wow that's awesome that's awesome Mm. so now congratulations Thank you. On uh, Beggar's Rebellion becoming a, a Spiffbo finalist, <laughs> so that is that is a big thing. I'm, I'm yeah. curious, uh, how did you how did you hear about the competition and and become involved? Uh, I feel like I was the target market for the competition for a while in terms of readers. Um, mm. may, well, kind of. So I was writing fantasy and I wasn't getting much traction with traditional publishing. I now have an agent and I have a few books that he's chopping around. So maybe I'll become a hybrid author. But in the meantime. I was thinking I'm going to be indie publishing, um, and I just felt like I was only reading traditionally published huge name stuff. And so on the internet, I was looking for what's good, and the Spiffbo came up. 
Um, and this was a couple of years ago. And I was just like, cool, here's a short list that someone has curated for me, which I think is exactly what a lot of readers need to get into indie mm-hmm. fantasy because yeah, it can yeah. be daunting. There's a lot out there and more coming all the time and, and quality varies. Um, so I read a lot of books off that list and loved quite a few of them. Um, and a finalist from last year, uh, Devin Madsen, I was so in love with her book. Um, is it We Ride the Storm? Yes, yes. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, oh, such so a great I book. Just, yeah, and I wrote to her. I was like, oh, my God, you're so cool, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, and, you know, as one author to another, I was like, so what's up with this Spiffo? And was it good? And what did it do for you? And um, and she wrote me back, which indie authors are want to do. Um, yep, yep. And uh, it kind of inspired me. And I wasn't ready. And uh, I, yeah. So I'm I'm surprised that Beggar's Rebellion made it as far as it has because I think it was still a little rough around the edges and I've polished it some since then, but um, I just felt like you know the time is now and you need to enter it while you can and so I pushed myself to get something in there. That's cool. That's cool. So you, so it's actually talking uh, with Devin that kind mm-hmm. of kind of gave you that that little push or whatever to to take the leap as it were. I think so. I mean, there are plenty of contests out there. And there, I live in Colorado, and there's a couple of regional uh, writers' conferences here that have uh, contests associated with them. And I've always entered those and, and often placed in them and felt like the competition wasn't very stiff um, mm-hmm. and and sort of questioned the value of, of placing in them or entering them. And so I was part of the talk with Devin was like, did this do anything? Um, but just having Mark Lawrence's name behind it and having oh, it yeah. like, sort of prominent on the internet was was kind of enough even regardless of what she said and she said really positive things about networking which has been a yeah benefit for me that i didn't expect so yeah absolutely well and and you know like you i um in in terms of being a reader uh, really have found uh spiffo to be just just this this gold mine especially when you're you're starting to look at the semifinalists and especially the finalists mm-hmm. um you know just of great books that i have uh, thoroughly enjoyed yeah um, and of course one of those uh that i have read and thoroughly enjoyed uh <laughs> is beggar's rebellion uh, yeah you know, Which you and, deserve props for, because you you figured it out before it was. I think even a semifinalist, you just read it. I think and, I think you're right. I, yeah, it, <laughs> I, don't know what, and, I don't know what it was, but you know, it, I'll I'll tell you, it was a combination. It was a combination of two things. Mm-hmm. Um, the first, uh, the first thing was, um, and you know, this is just unfortunately the way it is sometimes. But the first thing was the cover caught my eye. Totally, yeah. Uh, and it is it Not is an awesome cover. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, I know we're not we you know don't judge a book by its cover and I've I've read plenty <laughs> of good books that have really horrible covers and plenty yeah. of you know books that have great covers that that weren't that that great in my opinion as books but right. the cover definitely caught, caught my eye. Mm-hmm. And then just just the blurb mm-hmm. uh kind of you know the back of the book blurb uh, yeah. as I read it I was like, "Oh, oh wow, this this sounds really interesting. I want to read this. Uh, and so I did, yeah, I picked it up and, uh, really enjoyed it. And one of the things that for me just really jumped out and I, I just Mm -hmm. fell in love with is, Mm -hmm. uh, the magic system in this. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's very, um, you know, what I would call, um, kind of Sanderson-esque in the, in right. the best <laughs> sense of that word. It's, it's got Guilty a lot of action charged. to it, you know, uh-huh. and, and all of this. And um, yeah. so I'm curious, 
how did you go about crafting a magic system that, you know, at some level is is kind of you know about about food and ingesting stuff or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, but but also and and you know I don't want to I want to have like a spoiler, but 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 right. also there's this this some elements of progression to it, you know, or or mm-hmm. growth in the mm-hmm. in the system of magic, especially as you you read further uh, in the book. So so just kind of what was your process or how how did you get inspired to do that or how did you go about crafting that? Hmm. Um, I think, I think a lot of creativity is a few things rattling around in your brain and then they stick to each other and you kind of notice this agglomeration and you're like, oh, maybe there's something here. So I think one of them you pointed to very accurately is Brandon Sanderson, one of my favorite (laughs) authors, and he has so much uh, material for writers out there with his podcast and his online lecture series. Mm -hmm. And I've met him a few times and been to some of those lectures that he really influenced my development as a writer. And part of that was reading a lot of his books. So I've always loved the rule-based magic system that goes deep and you start at a sort of superficial level and, and plot and character development is tied to discoveries in the magic. Um, and I wanted to write, I wanted to write a series like that. Um, and I think another was, uh, just, um, I guess my own experience and my experience with friends, I would label myself an introspective person. Um, and, uh, I have just noticed that. So, a, a aspect that you didn't mention, but is, is there right in chapter one of the book is, is that most of my characters hear voices. It's normal in this world mm. for everyone to ha- kind of have this voice haunting them. Um, and to me, one of the powers of fantasy is to is to create metaphors, often with magic, for for things that are are in our non fantastical life, but are subtle, and to yeah. make them more overt to explore them. And to me, I think we all have ingested a lot of voices from society and from the people that that we love and the people that raised us. Hopefully, those are mutual, but sometimes they're not. Um, and uh, those voices can really control us and control how we perceive ourselves. So I wanted that to be a part of the magic system. And um, in book one, we don't get there very far. But in book two and three, we go a lot deeper on how those voices relate. But um, but they're really important to it. And sort of a basic aspect is overcoming these things you've started to believe about yourself in order to access your true power. So that has been a powerful experience for me in my in my life and um, in the things that I've heard from friends as we as we talk through what it is like to be human. And so I wanted to make that a little more overt and tied to cool magic that instead of like just feeling free of a negative voice, you can fly <laughs> or some kind of power like that. Um, and then the the food aspect of it was um, was me wanting to go a little deeper than like the flat statement that like magic exists or like some people have magic. It's a thing that I've never liked is that there's a chosen people or a, a genetic strain that pops up and those people sure, are good right. at it. I want to write a world in which it's accessible for everyone as overpowered as that can seem. I, I don't like this idea that there's only a few chosen people, it, you know, like, and it doesn't tickle me for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to come up with a reason that everyone could have access to that power. Um, and it, uh, I think I probably have a really large cosmology brewing around the idea that magic comes from types of light. And this was before I read Lightbringer, let me say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the the planet is set in a in a solar system with two stars, and the the stars give different kinds of light, and they feed different kinds of energy. And one of those energy is magical rather than physical. So, um, I I started with that really macro view of like 
what's this solar system like? And then how does that affect how the magic that I want to talk about is happening? So I think that was probably the third piece that stuck together in my brain. And then I wrote 40,000 words of world building and I was like, okay, I need to actually write chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's so cool. And, and I'm a person that uh, loves hard magic systems, right? Mm -hmm. Those, those kinds of, um, rule-based sort of science-y kind of magic systems. I mm -hmm. think they're really cool. I think they're really yeah. interesting. And I, I just, I love all of that. So, Me too. um, yeah, so, so it's really cool. Now, now you mentioned kind of that, this, this element, right? Where the, uh, the characters in your world, you know, hear these voices mm -hmm. and, and, and some of how that, that kind of played into your, your inspiration or your thinking there. Another thing that I really, uh, appreciated about, uh, Beggar's Rebellion mm -hmm. is that it, it could have very easily become kind of good guys versus bad guys, you know, and and, yeah. and no matter kind of what happens, the good guys are good, and no matter you know what the the, the bad guys are bad, they're they're almost caricatures. But mm -hmm. you you really I think did a, did a good job of including sort of multiple perspectives, particularly on the use of violence mm -hmm. to, to, to free oneself or the use of violence to overcome uh, mm -hmm. an enemy. And, mm -hmm. you know, in, in a book that has a, a lot of action and a lot of fights <laughs> and sequences, right? Yeah. I, thought, I, I thought it was really well done. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just curious, uh, what was the, the kind of the inspiration or your thinking behind including those kinds of maybe minority perspectives or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. in, in your novel here? Yeah, well... Uh, I guess there's probably a few reasons for it. One is that I I think you write what you know or what what you think that you know about the world. And I I'm not much of a believer in true evil. I think there are probably a few people who choose to do bad things for its own sake. But I think usually people have a motivation somewhere in there that's good, whether it's like a desire for attention that leads them to take power when they don't deserve it or whatever. There are a lot of ways mm -hmm. that that are good intentions can go wrong. But I think that most of us are driven by good intentions fundamentally. So. Um, and I feel like the like the black and white good and evil story has been told so many times in fantasy <laughs> that I'm not interested in reading it. When I when I find it now, I'm kind of like, really? You don't have Shades of Grey? <laughs> right, right, yeah. Because the world seems like a, a vast spectrum of grey to me, and I wanted to, to write that in its complexity. Um, and I sort of have a bone to pick with, uh, not necessarily with capitalism, but with corporations in this book, which is funny because... Mm. It's a fantasy novel, but I do have the fantasy <laughs> version of corporations in it. Yep, yep. Um, but I wanted to do justice to that too. I didn't want to just have the indigenous people who are getting their resources extracted by this evil corporate empire. I wanted to, uh, you know, like show the good and bad aspects of that and why it came about. And we're getting deeper into it now in book four. Um, but I felt very dedicated to having a having a a viewpoint character who is from the quote unquote other side so that mm -hmm. we could get a better sense of it, even though she uh, she's a little disillusioned with her society, too. But she still is a product of it and sees things differently. Um, and then on the violent side of it, I guess. Yeah, again, I feel like a lot of fantasy is stories about war um, and mm -hmm. stories about winning through violence. And that's not really a victory um, in the long term, because I think, you know, like one violent overthrow inspires another and yeah. so um and that was sort of the story in this one is that that is how the corporate uh empire took over and so i wanted them to be a little bit more historically aware and see that if we do this we are 
basically learning from them and repeating their mistakes and and what is it that we're trying to build other than just to be the ones on top um i wasn't interested in writing a story where my characters weren't at least that historically aware and um and yeah in books two and three we start to be aware of history on more like a thousands of years level (laughs) of Mm. things that repeat and um and trying not to repeat the mistakes that have made the world as as uh as difficult and conflicted as it is in book one so um yeah just trying to write a new story and an interesting story and one that i think reflects uh reality a little bit better than than the tried and true tropes yeah, well, I, I loved it and, and I love those those aspects of it and, uh, you know, kind of uh, maybe making you think or making you think in some different ways or or maybe some ways that maybe typically fantasy novels don't mm-hmm. uh, touch on as much, you know, because it, it's fantasy kind of um, very regularly. Uh, it's it's pretty typical for fantasy to uh, to kind of buy into the the myth of, of redemptive violence, if, if mm-hmm. you will. And I'm not, I'm not criticizing authors or whatever there. I just think mm-hmm. it's, it's part of the the genre. There's a lot of, of mm-hmm. violence that, that results in good. And right. while that may be true, I think a lot of that um, is just something that I really enjoyed uh, in mm-hmm. Beggar's Rebellion. So Thank you. now th- this is this shifting gears a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you've already kind of touched on this a little bit, but just sort of generally, what draws you to the fantasy genre, mm. either as a reader or as a writer? Hmm. Yeah, I think as a reader, I've always been in love with science fiction as well. Um, mm. And I did the first book that I published was a post-apocalyptic science fiction under a pen name um, because I didn't think it was good enough to put my own name on. Um <laughs> And I still think that's true. <laughs> uh, you can find it. It's not that hard to find. But um, but uh, to me, science fiction is is talking about ramifications of technology and history. That's what it's yeah. best at. And I think fantasy is better at talking about um, the human condition um, in sort of taking, yeah, taking the technology out of it and in a lot of ways taking history out of it because often history is is not that important. And sort of being focused on uh, people and our own power. You know, magic often is our own power. Um, and like I said, I feel like it's it's really good at creating metaphors for aspects of the human condition, whether through magic or through the environment. Um, I think it's a really great way to explore um, what it's like to be alive um, and to and to tease out subtle concepts through uh, through imagining ways that they're less subtle. Um, you know, like I don't like uh, in the in the way of kings uh, in the Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson, like people uh, getting power when they when they swear to be good people, basically, mm, you know, yeah, like yeah. this is sort of a metaphor for like what it's like to try to live a good life and, and stand up to your own values. But that's a very subtle thing in our world. And so in his world, he's just like, well, then you get to fly <laughs> or something like that. Um, right. So. I think that's what attracted me. I still do want to write uh, space opera, I think, but it's going to be basically science fantasy. Like, I would love to write a kind of Star Trek-esque, or excuse me, Star Wars-esque uh, series in which we do have technology and we are hopping planets, but it's basically still about magic and about people. So uh, so when when you write that, I'm totally there for that. <laughs> so... Okay. Uh, you yep. just you, you let me you know that. when uh, when you get ready to publish that because because uh, I will be I will be there for that. Cool. Uh, yeah. You, you know it's it's interesting what what you said here. Uh, 
about you know science, science fiction maybe maybe telling the story of the the dangers of uh, technology or or this or that but but then fantasy being more about the human condition and I think that's so interesting because often uh, I think when you read you know maybe reviews or um, or especially folks who are maybe maybe looking for uh, more more literary fiction or whatnot. I think they often assign these discussions of the human condition to science fiction and mm. fantasy. Maybe in some folks' minds, gets relegated to oh well, it's just you know it's just <laughs> genre or whatever you know. Right. Whatever. Yeah, it's Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, exactly. Right. 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 You know. Yeah. And so, but 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 it's interesting that 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 you actually see in fantasy this opportunity to talk about the human condition. I think I agree with you, but it's, it's, it, it was just interesting to me because um, so many folks would assign that maybe more to science fiction. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's interesting. I, I mean, I think that uh, to me, fantasy feels a little bit more like a sandbox because a lot of times, unless we're in star Wars or Dune in which we are so far removed from the planet earth that, that really you can't tie any current races or people or political right. systems to it in something like the expanse. We're so close to earth and we're just still playing out the racism and economic oppression and, and all these different systems that are, that are causing conflict in our world. Now we're just sort of exploring the ramifications of those once we escape the planet. Um, and I think that, well, and I should probably qualify the whole discussion by saying secondary world fantasy, because urban fantasy sure. is a different beast. Absolutely. And, yes. you know, in alternate history and all of these different uh, flavors of it. But secondary world is like, even though they're humans and we recognize them as humans, sometimes they can, you know, process a different kind of starlight into magical power. So they're not entirely <laughs> genetically right. similar to us. Um, but they're totally disconnected in terms of history. You know, like we can never point to, or I never want to write a book where someone can point to it and say, ah, those are the Irish people. And ah, sure. those are the Chinese people. Because I don't want to write a story that's expressing my political views about a particular people or nation or political system or even economic system. I want to explore the thing in itself um, without any ties to our preconceived notions and opinions from this world. And so I think that's one of the reasons that it feels like a safer space to explore it is because we can always fall back on, it's just made up. The only thing we really have that's continuous from our world is human nature. So, yeah. yeah. But it's an interesting yeah. discussion. I think, you know, all good fiction is is about human nature because it is going to write humans well. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I, and even... You know, even those stories, again, whether you're talking science fiction or secondary world fantasy or something where you're actually dealing with uh, maybe a non-human character, I mm -hmm. think uh, you're still ultimately dealing with this discussion of what it really means to uh, be human or be a person mm -hmm. and uh, and that, that kind of thing. I, you know, I think we see that. Even in uh, something like, say, Star Trek, oh yeah, uh, you know, with with say Spock or mm -hmm. with uh, Data, yeah. you know, um, Odo in in uh, DS9, yeah, you know, yeah, all, all of those, you know, you're you're dealing with a question of, you know, what is what is humanity or maybe what is personhood and and what does that all mean? Uh, and it can be really interesting to to have that discussion, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the form of literature, in the form of you know, in the case of Star Trek, a TV show that mm -hmm. that then wrestles with 
topics that are very relevant to us today in our own, you know, human lives here on planet earth. Um, but, but, yeah. but does so in a way that maybe makes it more accessible or makes us more able to hear it. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, you know, all of these trips into, into fantastical or science fictional worlds are like the vacation you take where you left long enough that when you come back, you appreciate the place from you're from, but you see it with, with slightly different eyes because you've mm-hmm. gotten some perspective, you know, like you have to leave to know where you're from. And I hated where I was from until I left for 15 years and I came <laughs> out and I was like, oh, it's actually pretty. And yeah. hopefully yeah. these books are doing a similar thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I, I think, I think they are, I, I really do, man. So, um, I hope so. I'm, I'm excited and, uh, and yeah, so, so where, where can people find you and your uh, books online? Um, well, the main place to find them is on Amazon. You can just search for Beggar's Rebellion or Resonant Saga or Levi Jacobs. Uh, as it happens, I'm not sure when this podcast is coming out, but uh, today I released another novella in the series that I'm pretty proud of. I think it's pretty awesome. It's about a bounty hunter who falls in love with the woman he's been hired to kill. Um, and it's set in the Resonant Saga world. Um, I also have a website, levijacobs.com. Pretty easy. Um, and then I'm IR Levi Jacobs uh, on Twitter at like in real life, Levi Jacobs. Um, but yeah, I think Amazon and website are the places to go. If you go to my website, you get a free novella for stopping by. So that's cool. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, Levi, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast here and uh, best of luck to you in uh, Spiffbo. Oh man, my pleasure. It's, it's awesome to have made it this far and uh, it's been really fun talking with you. I feel like we could probably get far, far into the weeds on this uh on talking about SFF if we let ourselves. So it was a, it was a good chat. Thank you.